Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Attending a baseball game at Bush Stadium in the middle of downtown St. Louis is quite a different experience from going to a game at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, where the stadium is surrounded by parking lots. In her new book, From a Park to a Stadium to a Little Piece of Heaven, historian Connie Sexauer argues that a stadium in the midst of the city brings people of different socioeconomic backgrounds together. She explores the way the Cardinals' ballparks over the years have shaped the culture of the businesses and neighborhoods that reside nearby. Connie Sexauer's book will be released in October, and she's joining us today to talk about it. Connie Sexauer, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's really great to be here. You're a St. Louis native, and your book surveys many iterations of Cardinal Stadiums, with four in your lifetime alone. Which is your favorite and why? Well, I guess my very favorite is Sportsman's Park at Grand and Dodier, and it's simply because that's what I was brought up with and first introduced and fell in love with that park. And that's in North St. Louis City? Yes, it is. And um, But You know, I'm a modernist as well, and I love all of the stadiums. I didn't think I would like this stadium because I didn't want to move. (laughs) This newest iteration. (laughs) Yes, and I love it. I absolutely love it. So it's really great. What do you love so much about this latest stadium? I love the way it sits in the city. I love the way that it brings the city into the ballpark itself, and you just feel a part of the setting of the city. And it's wonderful. And of course, you know, the view of the arch and the buildings. And it's just, I love big cities. I was an urban, am an urban historian. And to just be able to relish that and sit there and enjoy the game, but be a part of the city at the same time is really great. And it seems like this is a real trend with baseball stadiums that for a while everybody was doing like the Los Angeles, Kansas City version where they were way out in the middle of, you know, areas that are a little more isolated. And now people are bringing it back to the city. What's driving that? Well, to me, it's very traditional, and I love it. And uh, certainly the Cardinals have always done that. And there's other stadiums around the country that have done that. And I feel really, when I go to, like, Pittsburgh or Cleveland or, of course, Wrigley Field, I just feel so at home. And that whole thing about driving them out, and I live in Wisconsin, and, yes, I go to quite a few games to see the Brewers play, especially when they play the Cardinals. But I'm not a tailgating person for baseball. I am for football. But um, maybe it is the traditions are coming back to, you know, what is a traditional stadium and not some. And it's such a part of the city when it's there. You know, the the pulse the pulse of the city is there. And the way the Milwaukee Brewers set up is they're um, outside of the central. I see you rolling your eyes. <laughs> you can be honest. We have very few Milwaukee <laughs> listeners. What is the setup in, in Wisconsin? Uh, well, they actually are part of the city, but it's uh, a lot of space around the stadium. And it, oh, the so that sounds a lot like Los Angeles. I mean, yes. that is it is in somewhat the heart of the city, but and the even, parking lots are huge. Yes, and even Philadelphia. I mean, they're in Kansas City. They're part of the city, but they're also isolated. And to me, the the pulse of oh, I love Ballpark Village. The pulse of the restaurants and walking to the stadium and getting the vibe of the city is what's important. And, you know, you will find purists on either side, but I'm, number one, I'm not much of a football fan, but the whole part of tailgating to me is associated with football. Mm-hmm. You don't This idea of partying in the parking lot, yeah. Yes, and then, of course, when you can't buy beer after the seventh inning, the people in Milwaukee actually go to their car 
and they have these little portable TVs, and they sit for the last two innings. And I'm like, okay, I hope your team loses, because the whole thrill of being there is being in the stadium. You yeah, know? I thought St. Louis was a town that loved beer. I guess Milwaukee <laughs> has us beat on that front. Well, I went to graduate school in Cincinnati. So Cincinnati, Milwaukee, and St. Louis are brewery towns. And so. German towns, not yes, a coincidence absolutely. right there. Yeah. Uh, so you started by talking about Sportsman Park, and that is the park that you remember going to when yes. you were a kid. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about the history of that park for those of us who weren't in St. Louis at that point. Well, it's a, a very storied history and a wonderful history of starting out um, at Grand and Dodier by the Solari family, Mr. Solari himself, and it was originally called Solari Park. And it did many different things. It was a gun club, shooting club. Uh, They had um, circuses there. They did all sorts of things. It wasn't just pure baseball. And the Cardinals played there for a long time, and then they moved to a uh, natural bridge in Vandeventer to a stadium there. And then the Browns came in town from Milwaukee, actually. And these were – this was another baseball team. This was not the Cleveland Browns, the football team. No, no, this is the – uh, in fact, they were the Brewers at that time in Milwaukee, and they moved to St. Louis in the early 1900s and became the St. Louis Browns. So we had this competition going on in the city, and then um, about the 1920s sometime, uh, the Cardinals moved back. They were going to build a new stadium, and that fell through. And so they shared the stadium at Grand and Dodier with the Browns for years until the Browns moved in 1953. So, so that car- went on for quite some time. It's a staunch history. And then, of course, we came downtown in the 60s. But, um, yeah, it was, a lo- it was a lovely park. It was um, very much, if you've been to parks like Fenway or Wrigley. Sort of in a neighborhood. Yes. And, uh, you know, the whole closeness and everything. But, um, you know, it was a good park. I liked it. Tell us I'm, about that move downtown. Was there were there people who were angry about having to go downtown? Yes, and there's also I mean, and also we went downtown, and there it really wasn't a neighborhood. It was a business district. They started a new tourist industry, and of course the arch was brand new at that time, and they had other brand new buildings at the time. But it really wasn't a residential area, and people weren't used to that. And it became parking lots completely surrounding it, bus service down there. And the sidewalks would basically roll up before or after a game. So it wasn't the same feel, but eventually. It's interesting. Do you think the Cardinals being downtown played a role in helping downtown have this vibrancy that it now has? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. I am an urban historian. And uh, the downtown at that area was dying and things were moving out and businesses were moving out. It took a while, but getting that stadium there and then building things around it, hotels and the Spanish Pavilion Center and things like that. But I think even what we have now is the prime. This of is what, the pinnacle. Yes, absolutely. And, of course, the new building that's going on in the area, I just – I'll never be able to afford to live down there. But, <laughs> but I you get dream just, of oh, living overlooking the stadium. It's just ideal, you know, because they have a beautiful park, and then they have these wonderful things that surround it. And you – Get there early. You have your fun downtown. You stay. You know, to me, that's the cool thing is avoiding traffic, having a good time, and enjoying the neighborhood. Now, for listeners who haven't picked up on this yet, it, uh, baseball has been a passion of yours for a very long time. Yes, it has. Uh, in the introduction of my book, I talk about I knew nothing about baseball or the Cardinals until I was 12 years old. And... Uh, friend of mine who I went to school with called me one summer day and wanted to know if I wanted to go to the Cardinal game with her. 
Her cousin actually happened to be in town from Milwaukee. And at that time, it was the Milwaukee Braves. And she said, we're going to the Cardinal game. Would you like to go? And I knew nothing. So I asked my mother, and she said yes. So went to the game. And I will tell you, and it's in the book, when I walked in, I felt like I was already in heaven. I had never known there was such a thing as a park that was a baseball stadium. The only park I ever knew was my neighborhood park or forest park, which I love both. Sure, but a much different oh, park. Yeah, and I fell in love, and I've never looked back, and I was like 12 years old. <laughs> now, when did you first realize that baseball and baseball stadiums could be a focus of research and not just a hobby? Well, I was in my Ph.D. program at the University of Cincinnati, and actually I had graduated from the University of Missouri-St. Louis with a teaching degree, and I was an on-trad older student and could not get a job mm. <laughs> teaching high school. I went on numerous interviews, and I believe that it was because of my age. How I old was, were you at that point? At the time, I was late 40s. I was 50 when I went to graduate school. And um, it was my professors that said, well, maybe you should just stay and get your master's degree and see what the job market is like once you get there. Well, like one semester into it, I decided, what is this all about? I'm getting my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to not just double down, but triple down. Yes. And I thought, you know, this is great. So I really, really wanted to stay in St. Louis. And my professor said, you grew up in the city, you live in the city, you go to school in the city, you will never be able to study St. Louis and see the city unless you leave. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I, I really can't do that. I was in a marriage. I had three kids. I, oh, yeah, you were not at all mobile. No, and I had never moved from St. Louis. Well, we had moved for a while to Atlanta, but only for a couple of years. And so I thought I can't do that. So at some point you did leave. I know you teach at the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. How mm -hmm. did you get to a point with, with such a full life you had here of being able to say goodbye to St. Louis? Well, when I decided I wanted to go to graduate school, my professors at the University of Missouri-St. Louis told me, apply at numerous, and I was 50 years old, so who's going to take a 50-year-old, and who's going to fund her, <laughs> which is what I really question. needed. Yeah. Yes. Lo and behold, I got a letter from the University of Cincinnati, so I went up there, and uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience for me. And it was while I was there that I took a course on material culture from Dr. Wayne Durrell. And Wayne said, you know, we're going to look at buildings of a time period, and we're going to find out what life was like at that time and so forth. So you could pick any t subject you wanted. And I decided to write on the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, then I got my tenure-track job at Wisconsin, and you have to deliver papers and be published. And the first semester I was up there, it, lo and behold, the Urban History Association had a conference at St. Louis, and their conference was at the Chase Park Plaza Hotel. So I said, you know, I'm going to apply, and my paper was accepted. And while I was there, this woman approached me about publishing my book. And this is like 20 years ago. <laughs> So I did, but, you know, that was... Um, and the rest is history, as they say. It is, but it <laughs> took... I mean, this book has been in the making for about 20 years, but it's been, a, a my God, a journey of love. I've enjoyed every bit of it. We're talking to historian Connie Sexauer about her book, From a Park to a Stadium to a Little Piece of Heaven. Um, Connie, you teach gender studies in addition to history at the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. As a woman, is it hard to get sports fans to take you and your work seriously? I worried about that probably 10 to 12 years ago, and I actually at first decided I was not going to use my name, Connie Sexauer. 
I was going to use my initials because I thought, and I've had this even on Facebook. I've had people say, what does a men say? What does a woman know about sports? But the nice thing is really intelligent people, including my advisors. My advisor at the University of Missouri, St. Louis was Dr. Chuck Kaur, who works in sports history. He's written the foreword for my book. He's been a strong supporter of my work. All of the professors I've had along the way that have been male professors have supported my work, my ideas. And um, as time got closer and it got ready to be published, I thought, you know what? I know what I'm talking about. This so you is had that Connie confidence. F. Sex Hour. Yeah. <laughs> That's great that you were able to, to own your name. Um, your book also, it, it sort of takes this view where we see the city changing over time and we see the yes. game changing. How do you think being a baseball fan has changed the most since you were a 12-year-old falling in love with the game? Well, for one thing, and a lot of people I've interviewed in the book and looked at different aspects, it's certainly... Um, it's still, I would say, America's sport, although it gets a lot of competition from certainly hockey and For basketball sure. and football. But um, it's become a much more expensive entertainment. Not everyone can afford to go to the stadiums like we did. Mm -hmm. We used to go on a Friday night. I remember one of the first times I took my family to the game, and I went when I was 12 and then said, we have to go. And there was a Friday night doubleheader, and we went. And in those days, we sat in the bleachers for 50 cents a ticket. We got to bring our own jug of Kool-Aid and our tuna fish sandwiches, and we could enjoy the game. Yeah, you and can't I do that took, today. No, I took my kids. I have three kids, and I took them and their spouses. And the total of the number of us a few years ago were eight in attendance. We went to see the Chicago Cubs. And, of course, now they have queue pricing, which means depending on who you're playing and what day you're playing is what they charge for the tickets. So the Cubs, that's obviously a the big Cubs, draw. Those tickets were $800 for the eight of us. I paid for the parking for everyone, and I bought the concessions, and it was like a thousand, more, little more than $1,000. Wow. A regular family, my dad was common uh, salesman. They did not make a lot of money, and um, we could afford it, and we could, we still had to sacrifice to sure. be able to go. But today, it's really become a, a luxury. Do you think that's a mistake that baseball has, has put the pricing where it well, is? Well, I wouldn't say a mistake. I think they're keeping up with the times. The other thing is, too, when I was a kid, I could turn a radio on for free and listen. And I've seen the controversy that St. Louis is having now with their cable and the Fox and all of this. And some people have had subscriptions. And now this summer, they're canceled and they don't get the game. And I watch the game all the time, but I have to pay for MLB. And I have to listen on Sirius Radio. Living in Wisconsin, yeah. yes. You and can't so, just turn on KMOX no, up there. No. Um, Sex Hour, we've got time for just one more question. Um, I think it's an important one. There seems to be a remarkable consensus around the idea um, with players and fans that St. Louis is the base, best baseball city in the nation. What do you think is the source of that? Well, it comes from the fans themselves. But I will tell you that anybody that has played here, People come in town, and I have friends that are especially Cubs and Brewers fans, and they try to fight that. But you come to St. Louis, this whole town just seeps baseball. We live in baseball. We wear our shirts even if we're not going to the game. And baseball is important to us, Why and it's that? in our blood. Why are we such baseball nuts in this town? Well, in my case, it's because I feel a connection even when I'm away from the city, and I feel I'm close to St. Louis, but the people that live here, 
they just become so engrossed. And of course, we win. We are the winningest National League baseball team ever. So we have gone to it does, and we have gone to more World Series than any other National League team. And you were a good team. And we we give a very entertaining season, even if we don't win. You go out and have a good time. And we always have hope that we will win. So, yeah, it's in our blood. On that note, uh, Connie Sexauer, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was really a joy. Connie Sexauer is the author of From a Park to a Stadium to a Little Piece of Heaven. It's from Nico 11 Publishing in Wisconsin, and it will be released next month. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.